you're here to the uh, new today or you haven't uh, uh, heard this series, I'm sort of give you the idea. The idea that we're working off of is that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses ordinary average men. Matter of fact, that's what we're going to preach about today is ordinary average people to do absolute extraordinary things. And we're sort of looking at these heroes of faith, these Old Testament, you know, Bible characters that maybe you heard about in Sunday school or you've been around church for a while and you've heard about for a while. And, you, and we're going to ask them, you know, what's the one thing? Like if you could, if you could just take the one thing. Matter of fact, we look at Hebrews 12. This is the, our theme verse. It says, therefore, in other words, in light of what we just read in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, therefore, since we're surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, all those giants of faith that you hear about, in Hebrews 11, this hall of faith, these people that, you know, are, are gi giving their all, people that did incredible things for God. In light of that, they're all, matter of fact, not just them, but your parents and your grandparents. How many of you had parents or grandparents that just godly people? You're only here today because of them. Let me see all your hands. Yeah, for sure. Those people are just surrounding us and great a cloud of witnesses. He said, in light of that, let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us, entangles us and let's run with uh, perseverance or let's run with endurance the race that's marked out uh, in front of us. So we just said, uh, actually John Maxwell, sort of the premise of his book, is if all of those giants of faith like are looking in the stadium and sort of watching us run this race of faith, if they could sort of run one lap with us and give us the one thing that they, you know, they were able to look, you know, into their life and sort of look deep and say, man, here's the one thing that uh, that it is that I think would help you in your faith and really to live a life of faith. Here's that one thing. And so we've looked at different characters, Rahab and Noah and Nehemiah. This weekend we're going to look at one. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite Old Testament characters, my favorite preaching uh, Old Testament character, a man named Gideon. How many of you like to pull for the underdog? Let me see all your hands, all your under. You don't even care who's playing. It's just whoever's the underdog, that's the one I'm playing. Some of y'all, I know that's true because some of you are ugly and I know, I've seen your wives. You know what I'm saying? Like you you got to pull for the underdog because you know you is one. You know what I'm trying to say? Like there ain't no reason why you ought to be with that girl. I know that. It, I, I, I'm looking at y'all. I, I can see. We just innately sort of pull for the underdog. You, if, if you don't care who it is now, if you're pulling against the Spurs, you will go to hell. That's, that's in the Bible. But other, other, than, other than that, you can just pull for anybody because just we like the underdog. You know the reason why we like it? Because I think that most of us sort of in our hearts, we kind of feel like an underdog. Most people just feel average, just feel like... I, rarely do I meet people that be like, Pastor, you know what? I'm kind of killing it. I'll be honest with you. I'm, kinda, I'm at the top of my game right now. I'm, kinda, I'm, I'm doing the best. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Most people just say, I, I just feel average or I just feel like, matter of fact, not even average. Most people I meet with feel like they're less than, you know. I, I, don't, I don't feel like the best husband or the best wife or the best parent or, you know, the best employee. I don't feel like they're really the best at anything. And, and so you sort of disqualify yourselves. A lot of people disqualify themselves because they're just average. And really it's because, the, especially the world we live in with social media, you kind of look at everybody else's highlight reel and you're looking at the own, you know, the script of your life and their highlight reel, and you're going, man, if that's their life, like I'm really below average. You ever looked at that parent that like their kids are always put together on social media, and they take, you know, there's lighting, you know, package, and every, and, and you, you know, you're looking on social media, scrolling around, and your kid's been in the same diaper all day and nothing else, with like Cheerios stuck to his chest. Anyway. Anybody besides me and my two-year-old, anybody like that? That's that's our world, man. We'll start looking around, thinking everybody else has got it together, and I don't have it together. Like I, I, I don't have, I don't have my life together, and and we just start feeling less than. Here's the thing I love about the Bible, is that most often in the Bible, God, matter of fact, almost always, God doesn't choose the people who have it all together that you and I would choose. God chooses people 
who are just average people who may feel like they're less than, and God says you're less than, is more than enough for me to do something incredible. Everybody say amen to that. That you're less than really is all that God needs to do something incredible in the world. And so we're going to look at one of those underdogs today, a guy named Gideon. And, and he's not very impressive. I've got to be honest with you, to look at when you look at him, you look at his choices and how he sort of, you know, the flow of his life and the faith in God. But I hope it gives you some hope today that you can make a difference even when, you, you know, you don't feel like you have it all together. We hear about Gideon actually in that hall of faith. Hebrews eleven thirty two says it like this. How, do I, how much more do I need to say? He said it would take too long to recount sort of everything that everybody has done, stories of faith. And there's his name. He's the first one mentioned Gideon and Barak. I don't think that's the president. Anyway, whatever. And Samson and Japheth and David and Samuel and the, all the prophets. And then verse 33 kind of gives us, you know, the, the overarching idea of how things happen in their life. I want you to write this down. The Bible says in verse 33 that by faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, by faith these people overthrew kingdoms, not by their strength not by their pedigree, not by how they were born or who they were born to, not because they were tall, because all tall people are arrogant. Come on, somebody. Not because they had it all together. I'm kidding, uh, uh, sort of. Not because they had it all together. Not because they, you know, there's certain skin color. Not because they were born on the right side of the tracks. Not because they had money or didn't have money. Not because they could sing. Not because any other reason. They did this, everybody shout, by faith. By faith, these people did these things. Overthrew kingdoms. They served with justice. They received what God had promised them. Not just that. They also decided to shut the mouth of lions through their faith, which is an amazing thing. I don't know if that's me or not. Verse 34 says, They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Listen, this is the part that really speaks to me, especially feeling like if you feel like today you're just less than or an underdog, their weakness was turned into strength. God said, I used the thing that they didn't think was enough and turned it into the thing that was more than enough. Say amen to that, everybody. I used the thing that felt like it wasn't enough to God. I'm less than to God. I used their weakness and it became their strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. So Gideon is kind of that first one that you mentioned there. His story is found in Judges 6. If you're new to the Bible, let me sort of give you the overarching idea. Israel, the, the nation of Israel is kind of, they're, they're coming off this time of, of relative ease in their life like Everything's going pretty good. All the bills are paid and the kids are behaving. And business is good and we got no problems and everything's kind of coming up roses. And as it often happens in these times in our lives, Israel kind of forgets God and turns its back on God in light of the good times. I don't know if this is true for you, but I, I, I've met so many people in my life that the only time when I start seeing them show up to church is when everything's going bad in their life. That's when I know, oh, so-and-so's here, things must be going bad again. And then, and then when things get good or things turn around, we kind of, you know, we slowly sort of walk away. When we ought to be leaning into that time. And so Israel does that. Things are going good. We don't need God. And they turn away and they become self-sufficient. And they don't need God. They don't need God's hand anymore. So God just decides, I'm going to shake things up. And he allows this enemy to sort of come against them and show them that they can't have life without it. How many of you know, I don't want God to have to sort of test me that way, everybody. Say amen to that. Like, I, God, if you're, listen, I don't, you don't have to sort of give me this test. I'm going I'm to stay faithful even when times are good so that you don't have to get my attention. But so often often, like Israel, we kind of forget God during those seasons. And uh, Judges 6 says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, everybody, the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midianites. For seven 
years. The Midianites were this powerful, you know, oppressive group that they they absolutely ravaged the the, the Israelites. Verse five says they came up with their livestock and their tents like a swarm of locusts. I mean, there were literally they were innumerable, it's impossible to count how many Midianites or their camels there were, and they invaded the land. And they ravaged the land. And this happened over and over again. Every harvest season, the Midianites would come in. And and, and it was so bad, the Israelites just sort of knew, especially during harvest season, that this was going to happen. They would literally abandon their homes and their fields. And they would live in caves and just just anything to get away from this this attack of the Midianites. And finally, the Israelites kind of call out to God for help. And, and, And let me ask you a question. How many times in your life has it taken you a long time before you finally go to God and go, hey, look, I've tried everything else. Like, I'm ready to turn back to you. Like, seven years. I feel like at some point, like year two, I'm probably going, listen, I'm noticing a trend here, God. <laughs> Let me kind of get everything like back together. But seven years, they turn their hearts away from God, and then finally they start going back to God. I don't want God to have to use anything to get my attention. Shout amen to that, everybody. But he does this to the Israelites, and he draws them closer. And so, so God hears their prayer, their prayer that God would, you know, would, would rescue them out of the hands of the Midianites. And he does it through an ordinary man because God's always going to use people. God's always going to use me. God's always going to use you. I often find it funny when people ask me, why doesn't God just do? And then they fill in the blank with whatever it is they think God ought to do. And all the time, all of the time, all of the time, my answer is God will do whatever it is that you're asking for. He just probably is going to call you to do it. He's probably going to use you uh, to do whatever it is. And so God uses, God uses people, and He does that in this particular story. So God hears their prayer, and Judges 6 and 11 says that He finds this man named Gideon, the angel of the Lord, which if you're new to the Bible, every time you see the phrase angel of the Lord, most people believe that this is actually this is God Himself. This is a theological term called a theophany, or God Himself, like I don't know how, but He manifests Himself and sort of shows up. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree in Oprah. Even God talks to Oprah, whatever. Anyway, and they, it belonged to jo- it belonged to Joab, where his son, where his son, God's son Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press. This is really interesting. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Gideon is sort of literally he's hiding out from the Midianites. When you thresh wheat, you're supposed to do it out in the open so that when you throw it up in the air, the wind can take all the chaff and, and, and remove it and all the uh, you know wheat falls back to the ground. But Gideon is so scared and in such a bad place, he's literally hiding out in this cave in this wine press where he's trying to thresh wheat in this wine press. And if Gideon were to come down out of the stands today and kind of run a lap with us, here's the one thing if you're taking notes. That I want you to write down. Here's the overarching idea that I think I think Gideon would say to you when you just when you look at making a difference, when you look at God's calling in your life, and here's the first one: it's this: God doesn't see you the way that you see you. God doesn't see you the way that you see you. When God shows up in your life, God doesn't see you the way that, that you see you. When you when we find Gideon in, in verse eleven, like he's he is just so he's so discouraged. He's he's doing this ridiculous. Honestly, it's a ridiculous way to do something to thresh wheat inside of a wine press inside of a cave. Like there's just there's no way you're going to separate everything. But that's where he's at mentally. Like he is so discouraged and so frustrated and so scared. 
of the Midianites, you know, destroying, you know, the Israelites coming in at harvest time. He's trying to provide for his family. He's literally hiding and, and employing this method that seems silly. And, and we know that he's discouraged. We know that he's got, matter of fact, he kind of talks to God discouraged. Like when we get to that place, oftentimes, here's the crazy thing, we pull away from God. And then when we pull back from God and trouble comes, the first person we blame is who? God. First thing we do is we go, this must be God's fault. Even though I pulled back because everything was good in my life and not in need God right now, so he pulls back and, 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 now, and now he's blaming God for that. God must not care. God must not be in my life. And, and this is really funny. Verse 12, you sort of see what happens. I know that God has a sense of humor because God talks to Gideon this way in verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and here's what he said. The Lord is with you. Look at this sentence. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon, the guy hiding out underneath the ground in a wine press, scared to death for his life, trying to just get some wheat to eat, trying to just make some bread, trying to just barely get by, scared about everything, worried what's going to happen, deciding to hide, and God shows up there. Why does God call him mighty warrior? Is God being sarcastic or is he making fun of him? No, no, no. God's not doing any of that. Listen, let me tell you what God's doing. He's calling out of Gideon what he sees in him. He's calling out the best in him, not what Gideon sees in himself. Shout amen to that, everybody. Let me tell you about this church. Let me tell you one thing that I love City Hills for. As long as I lead here, this is the way this is going to be. This is not going to be a church that calls out the worst in you. You're never going to come here and let me tell you how bad you are and everybody's here a sinner and everybody here needs to repent. And you just, I hope you all make it. You're probably not going to. You're probably going to go to hell. Like there's just no hope for any of you. No, no, no. When you come here, I'm going to call out the best in you. I'm going to call you the best church. I'm going to say you're a champion. You're the best husband. You're the best wife. You're incredible parents. You're servants of God, you're generous. You know why? Because I see in you what God sees in you. I want you to know that God sees you differently than you see yourself. God goes to get in and He calls out the best in Him. He calls out that thing. And the Bible does that to you so many times. In the New Testament, He says you're God's child. And He says you're God's friend. And He says you're God's masterpiece. And He says that you've been justified. And He says that you're freed forever from condemnation. He says you're adopted into the family of God. In Philippians, He says that you're a citizen of heaven, everybody. That sounds better than America right now. Come on, somebody. He says you're a citizen of heaven. It's a, it says you belong to God and you can't be separated from His love. And it doesn't matter how you see you. It matters how God sees you. Shout amen to that, everybody. God, I'm preaching better than you're shouting amen. If you have everything you need in your life, listen. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, if you feel like you don't have what you need or you feel like everything's okay, I want you to know this. God sees you differently than you do. God sees you as righteous. God sees that you have everything that you are. God, God sees more in you than you see in yourself. And He starts calling out of you the things that He knows. That he, matter of fact, if He's given you a job to do, and I think that He has, I think that's why we have growth track here today, immediately following second service, immediately following the service. We have growth track, a chance for you to discover your purpose. Here's the reason why we say discover your purpose, because we know you've got purpose in you. We just want you to sort of open your eyes to what it is that God's called you to do and how God could use you to change the world and really make a difference. God, if God's called you to do something, then I know this, that God has equipped you to do it, and He's going to go to great lengths for you to find the best version of yourself. Shout amen to that, everybody. But don't be surprised when God asks you to do something that seems bigger than you are. 
Because God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. And so Gideon sort of does that and he has this conversation with God. And Judges 6 and 13, God calls him mighty warrior. And then, and then I love, you know, Gideon is just so, he's so proper here. He says, pardon me, Lord? Like, excuse me, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Have you ever asked God that question? If the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? If God's on our side, why do I have this problem? There I go again. I pull away from God, and then the first thing I'm going to do is ask God where He went. The Lord is with us. Why has all this happened? And where are His wonders that my grandmother told me about and my ancestors when they said that He brought us out of Egypt? When God answered all of our prayers and when there's miracles, where's the God who answers all that stuff? Where's the God who fixes marriages when mine's falling apart? Where's the God who provides for me when, when our lights are being cut off? Where's the God who, who makes a way and who, who, who heals when I get a bad report? Where's that God? It appears as though, here's what Gideon says, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. Maybe you feel that way in your life. Maybe you feel like God's abandoned you. and you just This is sort of where Gideon's at, man. He's just in a low spot, feeling like God's not there. Verse 14, the Lord, the Lord turned to him. I love that. So God's not even looking at him. I don't know where God's looking. You ever been talking to somebody and they just like your husband in the car and he won't look at you? You know what I'm trying to say? And he's just looking straight ahead. And then, and then you say that one thing, and, or your wife. That's usually what it is. I'm just talking. I'm talking to Brandon. I'm just, I'm just here's what he's doing. And, doing, and she's just looking straight out the window. And then there's that one time when she just kind of looks out the corner of her eye. She turns real slow like this right here. You know what I'm trying to say? And I think this is what God does. The Lord turns to him, and here's what he says. He says, go in the strength that you have. Would you underline that in your notes? And save Israel out of Midian's hand. And then he asks this question. He said, am I not sending you? In other words, did, did I not call you to do this? This is sort of, this is, if you want to know what we're all about here at, at City Hills, I'm going to be honest with you. One of, one of my greatest callings as your pastor is to ask this question, am I not sending you? Like, to, I want to help you find the thing God called you to do. I want you to help you really find that soul level purpose in your life. And verse, verse 15, you know, Gideon just keeps on with, he's being nice, you know, he's using manners, but he's just really, he's really giving God the what for. He says, pardon me, God, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? And then he starts making excuses. He says, my clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh. He doesn't say this, but Manasseh is the weakest tribe, the smallest tribe, and all the tribes of Israel. And I'm the least in my family. In other words, he says, I'm the weakest guy in my whole family. My family's the weakest part of our whole clan. Our clan is the weakest clan in all of Manasseh. And Manasseh is the weakest tribe in all of Israel. He said, God, you've got the wrong guy. You've chosen the wrong guy. He starts making all of these excuses and all of these reasons why God can't do that. He found a way of viewing himself, listen close, that would rationalize his inactivity. I can't tell you the number of people that I meet that do this. The first thing they do when I say, you know what, God's called you to do something. I want you to get involved. I want you to start making a difference. I really want you to take a step of faith today and get baptized or say yes to Jesus or join the team or get committed. The first thing they do is they start making excuses that rationalize their inactivity. 
This is the reason why I can't do what God's called me to do. They justify themselves. They start thinking, well, I'm glad the preacher's talking to all these other people in the room. You know what I'm saying? He's not talking to me because I can't. This is, I'm too old. I'm too young. I've messed up too much. I've got too big of a past. Here's the one I hear more often than not in, in, in today's culture. I'm just too busy, Pastor. I'm just too busy like to do what God's called me to do. I've looked at my schedule. I've looked at all this stuff. We have, we have you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturday mornings, my kids have underwater basket weaving and we just can't like we can't do anything more I'm just I'm too busy to do anything God's called me to do I don't know enough I'm in over my head I, I just there's no way I can do it and so you start offering God excuses for your inactivity and Gideon sort of just starts saying God there's just no reason that you should I'm, I'm the weakest I'm the smallest and God just keeps calling out of him the things that he said no you're a mighty no I want you to go in the strength that you have no I want you to go and I'm going to be with you verse 16 the Lord answered I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites I will be with you and you'll strike down the Midianites leaving none alive God just keeps coming back going hey listen you don't have to go alone go in the strength that you have but I'm going to be with you you say why is that true listen close would you write this down because God confirms his priorities with his presence God always confirms his priorities with his presence let me say it to you a, a different way if, when you make what is important to God important to you God will always show up in a big way say amen to that when you make what is important to God important to you, then God will always show up in a big way. He's looking to show Himself strong on behalf of those who are fully committed to Him. The thing that you're struggling with is you're not fully committed and you still want God to show up and take full responsibility. God will not take full responsibility for half-committed lives. Let me tell you, when God shows up strong, His presence always follows and confirms His priorities. So if it's a big deal, to God it ought to be a big deal to me shout amen to that everybody that's why I think you ought to be at serve day because the Bible says it this way that pure and undefiled religion is to care for widows and orphans and water to those that are thirsty and food to those that are hungry and shelter to those who don't have it that's why I think you ought to be there I think you ought to be at San Antonio Children's Shelter on July 15th I don't have any reservation looking at our whole church hundreds of people saying I'm talking to you you know why because if I make what's important to God important to me then God will then show up big in my life shout amen to that everybody every time every single time I do that and so God says I want you to go in the strength that you have God's saying to Gideon listen you don't think you have any strength but you do here's how Paul says it in the New Testament first Corinthians the living Bible says it like this now you have every grace and blessing this is probably one of my favorite lines that Paul writes to the Corinthian church listen to this he says you have every grace and blessing and every spiritual gift and power for doing His will are yours. That is probably the most empowering thing I could tell you today. That everything that God has, every spiritual gift and every power that you need to do God's will in your life, you already have during the time that we wait on the return of Jesus. He said, everything that you need, you've already got. You don't have to keep waiting for anything more. Just go in the strength that you have. Here's the second thing I think, I think Gideon would say to you if he were running with you today. Number two, what is unthinkable and undoable on my own? Listen, what is unthinkable and undoable to me becomes unstoppable when it's God and me. Shout amen to that, everybody. 
what's unthinkable and undoable on my own. When God and I are working together, we become unstoppable. It's unstoppable when I get with God and I start getting in God's priorities. Whatever He prioritizes, I start prioritizing. Whatever is on God's heart, it's on my heart. Whatever dreams He has for me, that's what I don't have to. I don't have to hide behind my insecurities. When I hear God whisper divine purpose in my life, when I hear God calling me to greatness and calling me to more and calling me to reach beyond where I am and go further when I know God's got something big in my life. So let me ask you a question. Listen close. What insecurity is holding you back from doing the thing God called you to do? Like what apathy, what insecurity, what excuse are you making for not taking a step forward with God? You don't have to do it on your own. It seems unthinkable and undoable on your own. But when you get with God, it becomes unstoppable when you get in God's world. God's strength, listen close, God's strength plus your weakness is exactly enough. God's strength and your weakness, when you add them together, it equals exactly enough to do the task that God has called you and I to do. One of the things I love about this story, the story of Gideon, is, is this is where people kind of get derailed when you finally decide to sort of do that. And, and Gideon, he surrenders to God's call and he starts moving forward. But he brings with him into that season, that next season, some insecurities and some doubts. And maybe some of you grew up in a church environment where you, you couldn't doubt. There, there was no room for insecurities or no room for questions. And this is not that kind of church. As a matter of fact, if you'll start moving in the right direction, as long as you're moving forward, here's what I think the third thing I want you to write down is that God is patient with your faith process. Like God's patient with your process. My, my pastor says it this way, that anything worth anything is a process. Anything that really is worth anything in your life, it's going to take a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not just going to become a mature Christian just because you showed up one week. It's a, it's a, you know, you, you, you tithed one time and you think now, now God's going to, no, that's not the way it works. It's just going to be a process over. I served one weekend. God ought to show up. No, no, no. It's a process. I prayed today. I prayed this one day. You know, I hadn't prayed in six years, but I woke up this morning and prayed. And I don't know why my husband's still a jerk. I prayed this morning. Why is he still a jerk? Like it's just going to be a process in your life and you can take some insecurities in there. God doesn't mind your doubt. God doesn't mind your question. Matter of fact, God doesn't throw Gideon under the bus when he starts moving forward. Listen, as long as you're moving in the right direction, here's the way I like to say it. God is more interested in your direction than he is your perfection. God is infinitely more interested in your direction than he is you getting it right all the time. And so Gideon starts moving forward, but he takes some insecurities with him. He takes some doubts with him. He takes some process. And I love how this plays out in verse 36 and 37. So Gideon said to God, okay, I'll go with you. And if you'll save Israel by my hand as you promised, here's what I, but I need a sign. I don't know if you've ever done that. You decide to follow God, but you kind of want, you want more of a sign. Anybody ever do that? Like, God, listen. The fact that God himself shows up in a cave and talks to you is not enough. Gideon says, no, I appreciate that, but I need, to, I need a little bit more, okay? I, need, I just need one more thing that I want you to do. Look, he said, I'm going to place this wool fleece on the threshing floor. And in the morning when I wake up, if the, if the fleece is wet, and there's dew only on that, and all the ground is dry, then I'll know you'll save Israel by my hand. Just like you said. He said, I, I need one more test. And God says, okay. God doesn't throw him under the bus. He wakes up the next morning and the, and the fleece is, is wet and the, and the ground is... And then, and, then, and, then, 
It's still not enough. And Gideon reverses it. He says, okay, God, okay, okay, okay. That was cool, but I, okay, one more time. I just want to make sure that you're telling me this, the truth. And he says, in the morning I want to wake up and I want the fleece to be dry and I want all the ground to be wet. And God goes, okay, I'll do that too. Because God's okay with your process. God's okay with you walking through it. Here's the last thing I want you to hear. Listen close. Success is determined by God's power, not by yours. Our musicians are joining me on the stage. Success is determined by God's power and not by yours. If you, if you try to go in your own strength, this is not going to be enough. Judges 7 and verse 2 says this. So the Lord says to Gideon, Gideon gets up and, and he says, Okay, I'm ready to rumble. The Lord says to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. So Gideon, Gideon, he finally accepts God's call on his life. Listen, he finally accepts, okay, I'm going to move forward. And then God goes, oh, by the way, you've got too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight against the Midianites, then the Israelites are going to start boasting that they did this themselves, that they did this in their own strength. Let me just give you a little word of encouragement here. When you see things start walking out of your life, when people walk out of your life, when finances walk out of your life, when a house, when a business, when a business partner, when things start walking out of your life, it could be that God's going, hey, just so you know, you've got too many warriors with you. I just, when you get to the end of your victory, I want you to know that you didn't do this, that the only way you made it was God helped me make it. That it was God's power and not my own. And through this crazy scene, God sort of whittles down this army. It's, it's absolutely amazing. God's, Gideon's got 32,000 men. God takes away, he takes away 22,000 of them in the beginning. And then he takes away 9,700 of them again. And Gideon is literally left with 300 people. The Midianites have 135,000 people. And Gideon has 300. There's one Midianite, uh, there's one uh, Israelite for every 435 Midianites. <laughs> one guy fighting 400. And, what, God, what, why, did, why did this have to happen this way? God, why did they have to leave? God, why? Because when this is all over with, I just want you to know nobody else won this battle for you. You weren't strong enough, smart enough, qualified enough. You, you didn't have enough pedigree. You, you weren't raised on the rights. You didn't do any of this on your own, Gideon. Only God's power can give you this kind of victory. And I, and I love what happens. So Gideon decides, he decides, I got nothing to lose here. I mean, my gosh, there's only 300 of them. So him and his boy, they go all ninja style. Like he's got a guy with him. And they, they all ninja down into the enemy's camp. And I love this sort of deal. They camp out. They kind of get up close to a tent. Y'all know anybody? Your kids eavesdrop like mine do. Anybody like that? My little boy, I'm in the bathroom. And his fingers come underneath the little door like this. Right here. And I'm like, da-da, da-da. And he's just, dude, give me. And, and, and so they're just, they're hanging out. There's kind of hanging out by the tent listening and here's the conversation they hear this Midianite's talking to his friend in the tent and his friend responded this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon the Israelites this Midianite is talking about Gideon and Gideon's listening in God has given the Midianites and the whole camp to his hands and Gideon's looking at his friend who's all ninja and he's like they're talking about us there's 300 of And I love what happens. Gideon hears the dream that this Midianite has, and he hears the interpretation. The Bible says he bowed down, and right in the he doesn't even leave the enemy's camp. Listen, he just bowed down and worshiped right there. 
I love that about Gideon. I love that about this church. I love that you're a worshiping church. I love that when you get here with just, just with abandon. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. And I don't mean, please don't, I, I mean this. Here is this from my heart. Like, I don't mean any disrespect or harshness. But this church is always going to be loud. It's always going to be hands up. It's always going to be people singing loud. And if they do, it, it, listen, they're going to be clapping. And they're going to they're going to be happy about it. Their tears are going, you can cry here when you worship. You can cry. It doesn't matter. Why is that? Because some of us are listening. We finally hear. The enemy says, oh my gosh, your marriage is over. And you get to church and I tell you, God's got big plans for you. It's not over until God says it's over. And you just say, man, I can't do anything here. But right in the middle of my problems, like I'm just going to worship God with everything I got. Gideon starts worshiping God. And in this crazy military strategy, 120,000 Midianites get confused and they kill each other. And then 15,000 of them just run away. Gideon's (laughs) ragtag army of 300 has pots and tools in their hands. And they're just making a bunch of noise. God gives them victory. Why? Because you don't have to have it all together. Doesn't matter what you feel like you don't have. If God's called you, and I think He has. God's got plans for you, and I think He does. If God's got a bright future for you, and I think He does, then you've got everything you need. With your weakness and God's strength, you've got just enough to get through whatever it is you're walking through. And there's victory on the other side of that. Why don't you stand all over this room? Take somebody by the hand. Nobody moving for the next couple of minutes. I like preaching to y'all. Y'all, my favorite place to preach even if y'all don't say amen as much as I want you to. There it is. (laughs) Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. There's some people in this room, you've been choking back tears because you you know what it's like to feel like you're being attacked year after year, month after month, season after season. And I'm walking into the middle of that battle, calling out of you, God sees in you that you're well able and well qualified and well capable of facing some of the hardest days of your life I know your stories I know some people in here who are dealing with tragic, horrific loss divorce the burial of a, of a loved one the loss of a child the business that you gave your whole life savings for kids go crazy, you loved them you did the best you could and they get 16, 17, 18 and just and you're hiding out in the wine press just sort of buried in a cave somewhere going God, I don't even know if you know where I am right now God just shows up right in the middle of your holiday plans and says hey I don't just know where you are but I know something about you, you don't know I see in you a mighty warrior, a woman who's able to walk through the the hardest times of her life, full of strength, full of passion. You're well able. If that's you, matter of fact, nobody's looking around right now. If that's you, if you just, man, if you feel like you're being attacked just from all sides and you know what that's like, just sort of hide out in your insecurities. You may have even been making excuses for why it is you can't walk forward. God's talking to you today. Nobody's looking but me. Would you just raise your hand and say, man, that's me. Come on boldly. I see hands up all over. 
Now, Jesus, I pray for every person in this room, especially those of their hands raised that are in the middle of the, maybe the fight of their life attacked over and over again. How, how they get there is not consequential. The fact is they're there. And you know where they are. So I pray in this moment, in this moment, there would be a renewed strength to come over them. God, I pray j- just like in Gideon that you would call out of them something they don't even see in themselves. You call out of them incredible parents. You call out of them incredible spouses even when it seems like things are over. You call out of them a warrior even when they feel like giving up. God, I just pray in this moment you would call out of them what you, you call them redeemed and loved and whole and righteous and put together even when they feel fractured. Father, I pray for every person in this room that today just sort of began to make excuses that all of those would be taken care of and they would just, they would literally, as they stand up today, God, as they walk out of here, they would begin to walk in the strength that they have. Walk in the right direction. God, they don't have to come out with all of their questions answered. They can still have doubts and insecurities, but they got to keep walking in the right direction. I pray for people to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Not to give up where they are. Not to stay where they are. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just put one step, just just one foot in front of the other. Step by step, day after day. Just go in the strength that you have. And when you get to the end of this, I know it feels like everybody's left. I know you may feel like, how am I going to face this? But I promise you when you look up one day, in, in, in the most profound way possible, that confuses everybody and all of your enemy. You're going to look around and suddenly there's victory. Not because you're smart enough. Not because you're able. Not because you're qualified. Not because you were born that way. Not because you have a pedigree. Not, no other reason. Except the power of God. Except the power of God working in your life. Except you just taking God's hand and say, Okay, God, if you say I can, I can. If you called me forward, I think I'll walk forward. If you're calling me there, I'll go there. I'll take a next step. I'll do what you called me to do. God, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. As a matter of fact, nobody's moving right now. There's some of you who need to say yes to Jesus. You've never even fully surrendered your heart to God. Or maybe it's been a long time since you have. Everybody's going to pray this out loud with you, but we can't pray it for you. We can just pray it with you. So everybody, out loud, everybody, front to back, side to side, I want you to pray out loud. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you completely and wholly. I give you my whole life, my dreams, my future, my hopes, my marriage, my kids, my business, everything I am, everything I want to be. I repent of every mistake, every sin, everything in my life that doesn't please you. Come on, tell him. Cleanse me. Come on, say it out loud. Wash me. I give you my whole life. Save me today. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout the biggest amen. You've shouted all day, everybody. Come on, let's give him the best praise we've given him all day long, everybody. Come on, put your hands together. Give him the biggest praise.